people like so you've got this whole section of uh, the population that's never had money in their life, and they're all of a sudden the new kings. Going of, fucking you know, nuts, dude! They're just like the kings of the world now, and these guys have more money they know what to do with. So they're just out there creating these nerd marketplaces. Welcome to Craft Advice, a podcast to help investors tackle the more complex area of their personal and business finances. Join Jack and Sean as we discuss everything from investing to retirement and everything in between. I wonder if that's what happened last time when we did this is if it picked up, if it switched and picked up. I bet it did. I bet there was something with the power cord. It just flipped off and we didn't realize it. And then it just started like defaulting over to the... uh, to that thing. Yeah, because you sound way better. Cool. Cool. So, right, so welcome. you just want to do a quick rundown? Or you just want yeah, to hop into just, it? Let's just jump right into it and just see where it goes. Because right. my it. goal is I don't, I don't want to edit any more of these. We're just, once we start, boom, that's what we're getting. Dinner let's is served. Dinner is served. Very good. Well, welcome back, everyone, to a uh, another Tap Room episode. Today, Sean and I are going to talk through things going on in the financial markets, investments, the crypto market. But as always, we're going to start off with our preferred kickoff. What are you drinking? What John? are you drinking? What you All got? right. I've got a, uh, a lovely little double IPA here from uh, my favorite local brewery, Southern Swells. Uh, it's called Post. I have a nice little Post. And uh, in, in perfect uh, timing for a inaugural kickoff season of college football. So here we go. What do you got? You know, I'm an absolute moron. My fantasy football league has a super flex option. I didn't know what that meant. So everyone <laughs> drafted like two and three quarterbacks. Yeah. Yep, so, yep. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many posts get half run on my side. This. <laughs> so I learned my lesson. I'm drinking a dogfish head 60 minute this time. Um, More like post look? alone. Yeah. <laughs> I learned my lesson with my adolescent beer. Um, funny enough, I cracked the 60 minute, but for uh, those that listened to the last episode, I drank a low calorie IPA. And then by the end of the episode, Vegan I had beer. COVID. Vegan beer got me COVID. <laughs> I felt fine at the beginning of the day. And by the end of the day, I had COVID. And so we're going to attribute it to the <laughs> sissy beer. It's one hundred percent that awful beer you had. Yeah, it's pretty you got rough. what you deserved, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Punishment, punishment taken. I've been quarantined to my office and bedroom for ten days now. The punishment day 10, fits the crime. I get to leave. I get to leave. You know, my sentence is up. I've been acquitted. That's it. Anyway, feeling strong. Real quick, I'm gonna give a. Yeah, me and Joe Rogan. I'm going to give a quick shout out to Whoop. Anyone that doesn't have a Whoop band or know about a Whoop band, this identified, I think it was Wednesday morning, it said, your vitals are all out of whack, something's going on. Fell fine Wednesday, fell fine Thursday, Thursday afternoon after that beer kicked in, boom, hit the floor. I was I was crushed. So That's hilarious. It's pretty awesome, but uh, big fan of Whoop. I like the, the preventative medicine stuff. That's it. Taking hold. The whoop, whoop. So, so let's dive in. What's uh, what do we got on the agenda for today? 
Yeah, some some uh, some interesting headlines out there. Uh, you know, some of this stuff uh, you and I have been kicking around um, over the last week or so. And uh, I believe you mentioned something. We didn't dive into it too much, but you, yeah, you were asking me earlier the other day about uh, Walmart going after Shopify, uh, something about a delivery service or something. What what did you have there, Jack? So I kind of think, and I've, I've thought a little bit more on this idea while I've been quarantined for, for 10 days. but <laughs> The mind tends to wander. Yes. In solitude. Yes. <laughs> so Walmart announced a new service that they're calling, I believe, Go Local, which is basically a white-labeled delivery service for small businesses in the area of a Walmart store. So I kind of think what they're doing is at first I thought this was Shopify. Hey, let's give you know small mom and pop retailer the option to start to distribute and kind of build out an infrastructure and a delivery infrastructure for them. But I think they're also maybe attacking Uber and DoorDash with this because yeah. I think a lot of people are tired or I guess a lot of people are trying to avoid as a small business hates Uber and DoorDash, a lot of them, because they take such a big cut. Mm-hmm. So, so I think Walmart's stepping in there and trying to take a piece of the action. That's it. Add a little bit of a spice to the competitive landscape. Like everyone's going to do this. Though. I think they're all fighting for don't <clears throat> regulate and break my business apart. So mm-hmm. we're all going to dabble in everything, and then we all can't get in trouble. But I think yeah. this is all bumping up against regulation. It definitely has some uh, some antitrust flavor to it. It seems like they're doing this to throw the, uh, the stink off of them for a little bit. Keep, uh, Elizabeth Warren at bay for another, uh, year or so. Smoke screen. The smoke screen. Look over here. Don't worry about the man behind the curtain. Yeah. But I think, I think it's an interesting move. I think if, if it works, I don't know what businesses allegiance are. I know a lot of them like Shopify, mm-hmm. um, for the fact that they're a very business focused, small business focused, um, mm-hmm. company. I know even on yep. the first million dollars a business makes, they don't take a fee, but they're yep. kind of there to help you grow your business, which is yep. nice. So I do think antitrust and I think with antitrust, you mentioned some stuff on Apple. So you're talking about app, Apple getting in checked or something like that. This might be another regulation thing, but what were you thinking with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's like we were talking about with, with Walmart. It seems like a lot of these larger companies are trying their best to uh, keep the uh, regulators at bay. And uh, it seems that Apple is definitely following suit, um, obviously in a different vein, but uh, they're also making some changes specifically to the App Store, um, which, you know, if you were paying attention the other day, some some uh, some good companies had some nice share price boosts. Um, I believe Match, uh, Netflix, uh, several others out there, some gaming stocks. Um, and again, a lot of that has to do with them reducing fees and, and making the approval process uh, slightly easier. So it seems like they're, uh, again, doing things that are going to benefit the broader you know, collective and also making it less costly and more competitive, which, again, is going to help throw, uh, throw the, the stench of, anti-competitive antitrust away from them for a little while longer, at least. I don't know how long you can keep them at bay when you're the, uh, the largest company in the world. <laughs> I believe it I was, I saw an interesting number the other day. I believe it was, they made $65 billion in app fees in 2020. 
It's pretty you wild. Know, you know, if you break their businesses apart, so if you look at like Apple Watch, Apple AirPods, all of those mm-hmm. alone are bigger than like a lot of the Russell 2000 companies. Yeah, they're doing <laughs> I believe it. $5 billion in AirPod sales. So mm-hmm. they're massive. But I was thinking about it. I don't know how you really break them up. Like, I, I understand the argument for Amazon. Let's take AWS out mm-hmm. from your logistics. Like, that kind of makes sense. Yep. But I don't understand how you take the App Store as, like, a separate business. I mean, you could make iPads a separate business or, you know, their Mac products a separate business. But it's almost like it operates so well that I don't see it. I still don't understand the rationale behind breaking up because, I mean, if you look at it, those are just individualized electronic products that are created as part of a broader suite of this company that that's what that company does. Yeah. And it's like yeah. selling them like you can sell this computer, but you can't sell this computer and that computer at the same time because you're too good at it and you sell too many of them. Well, I think that the app store, I think Fortnite was the first one that decided to poke the bear. And then once they did yep. it and got sued, they decided, all right, let's get everyone on board with this. But yep. the fact that they would allow you know kids playing Fortnite on an iPad or iPhone, then they're able to yep. go in there and bypass Apple and make purchases. Mm-hmm. That was like the first move to try to take over them. But I think it does make sense. You know, if I'm going to Spotify, I want to pay Spotify. I don't want to give 30% of that to Apple. I use Isn't Spotify. that incredible? 30%. That's a total cut. I know. What a, deep toll. what a cut. Bunch of gangsters. I love it. 30%. But yeah, so they're talking about reduce, possibly reducing that 30% uh, down to 15 and some of the ones that are around 15 lower than that. So um, the anticipation is that it'll, it'll take a little bit of bite out of Apple's, uh, a little bit of bite out of the Apple, huh? a little bit of bite out of the Apple, but it will also be counterbalanced with the reduction in regulatory risks that the company faces with being possibly broken up. So on the net, it's definitely seen as a positive. Um, and it's absolutely a positive for those companies that are utilizing the app store. So I don't know. I think that's a, it's a pretty interesting take. And, um, and in other side note and in other interesting Apple news, um, you know, I, I know you've heard about this, but they're coming out with the, uh, the digital wallet or the digital, uh, driver's license. Oh yeah. So what do you think about that? I am a uh, hundred. This is like the only reason I carry a wallet. I think, <laughs> I mean, even, even my, like, you know, that shitty, Card you always get when your health insurance renews that like you have to punch <laughs> out of a piece of plastic. Yeah. Even that has mobile, you know, your car insurance has a mobile mm-hmm. version of this. I don't know why the driver's license hasn't been updated. Um, for those that aren't familiar with this, there's, I believe it's seven states, Arizona, Connecticut, Georgia, Iowa, Kentucky, Maryland, Oklahoma, and Utah. I think that's mm-hmm. that's eight. Yep. So eight states have already approved this. Each of them, if you were to get pulled over by a police officer or you went to the airport to go through TSA, I don't know if any of those states have mass transit. Maybe Maryland, um, maybe Maryland does. But any place you're able to use your driver's license, you can just save it on your iPhone. You'll take some pictures of it. There's a verification process, and that becomes your new identity. I think there's a company called Clear that's been trying to do biometric scanning. You go to the airport, you just scan your yep. fingerprints, and away you go through. They do this with a passport. 
So I think this is our foray into the metaverse, Sean. This is where we start. Mm-hmm. To- it is a, it isn't, it's, it's, a, it's, I'm, I'm torn on this because I, I love the convenience aspect of it, but it seems a little intrusive. I mean, they're storing your fingerprints. I mean, it's just like, ugh, it's like, do I got to draw blood next? Well, and, and <laughs> this, as we were typing up the notes for this episode, this got, mm-hmm. this came across, I think it was Friday on the CNBC ticker. Yeah. Uh, so anyone wearing an Apple watch or the AirPods, because the AirPods also have some like health detection stuff in there. I think there's yeah. a way they can check like temperature. They've just started mining. Your data is all anonymous, supposedly, God. but they're mining yeah. your health data now. So it's only going to get more intrusive, Sean. No, I, I know. Think, just I think, bend over. Well, most of us are just, you know, bending over. <laughs> Just do it in ourselves. Unknowingly. I got to tie my shoes here. Hold on. Hey, Apple, what are you doing back there? <laughs> That's what's happening. No, 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 no. That's what's exactly, that's exactly what's happening. I think that, we are getting closer and closer to the metaverse. We're all going to be chipped up pretty soon. Yeah. Just like I mean, Elon Musk. Is he the one that has his uh, a chip? I heard a rumor yeah. he has a chip in his hand to make like payments and stuff. So he just. No, I don't know about that. I just know Jedi he's got hand. The, the, I just think he likes to wave his hand like a Jedi Knight sometimes to so just imagine it. I mean, I would like that. That's exactly pretty sure. cool. Yeah. That Neuralink thing is pretty sweet. Yeah, Neuralink's uh, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. There's actually this a is- show on uh, Netflix, I think it is. Or maybe it's Apple TV. I can't remember right now. We can't, we can't give Apple too much love. No, but, no. Uh, we'll, we'll it's essentially them. the same thing. Well, here's a question for you, and this is high level before we switch to the next topic. But with all this going digital, what do you think this does for, like, blue-collar jobs like plumbers, electricians? I personally think that is probably the safest industry to be in, you know, some sort of how the crap gets out of your house or how the power turns on to do all this. You're always going to need them. I mean, at the end of the day, I think there's a lot – there's a lot fewer people that want to do those jobs. So supply and demand generally wins out. And uh, what you're going to see is you're going to see those jobs continue to be, again, fewer and fewer um, as far as, or, or I, sh- I guess I should say there's there's fewer and fewer people that want to do those. So the wages for the people who do want to do those will continue to stay stable and climb with inflation. I mean, you can make a very handsome living as a plumber, as an electrician, et cetera. And those, those jobs seem to, um, again, they've got such fine motor skills that robotics and, and AI really aren't there yet. I mean, we'll see something, we'll see how, how that, uh, you know, continues to shape as robotics and AI continue to progress. But at the moment, it seems like it's at least decades away. Maybe Boston, so Dyn- maybe Boston <laughs> dynamic robots start like invading a town and attacking people. Doing, doing backflips everywhere. Just, you see that just- one that does the backflip. Yeah, they're just doing parkour around the city. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But speaking of the future, uh, into the metaverse we go. So uh, I know you were mentioning a, um, a pretty interesting, uh, was it a podcast or was it a speech that you heard from Rick Edelman? I'll let you tee that one up. So Sean and I have started to use the analogy of a pool for crypto. So there's the shallow end, and then as you get into the deeper end, it gets more and more overwhelming. But if I start with, I've always been kind of 
cautious on this space. I think there's probably more harmful stuff in it across the board, but the more I spend time in it, I'm finding some nuggets of intriguing stuff. But Rick Edelman, (laughs) Sean's trying to convert me. (laughs) So if we start on the kind of advisory space that Sean and I work in, Rick Edelman was one of the largest independent investment and financial planning firms, Edelman Financial Engines. He basically stepped down and spent all his time now diving into crypto. So the focus of his, I guess, approach to crypto is if you had, if you see every business, if you see JP Morgan, Visa, MasterCard, a lot of companies starting to put this on their books. And at the same time, all of the engineering salaries. So the average blockchain engineer salary is, I think it's somewhere 140 to 160 range, 160,000 a year. So it's well above, you know, a typical engineering job. If you were going to just start and go work programming or something like that. Mm -hmm. So just looking at where the human capital is going, looking at where capital is going inside corporate businesses, most investors should start to allocate something to this one, two, three, 5%. Um, but as I started looking more into this, I, I think some of the cool things that you're starting to see as you're wading into the pool, the shallow end is just learning about coins and buying something like Ethereum or Bitcoin, which you can open a Coinbase account. There's an earn section. They'll give you some free coins you can play around with. But there's a DJ called Blau who started an NFT platform called Royal. But basically what they're doing is they're allowing artists to take their royalties, put them up on a platform, and then any investors can buy the right to their music basically in perpetuity. So they're kind of, instead of playing music for years and years and years, and then all of a sudden, boom, they've made it or you know they've made nothing, they can start to sell out and make money on their self early. If it explodes, they don't retain all of that, but their initial investors and backers and fans can invest with it. So it's, it's starting to get really interesting among some of the crazy stuff in the deep end that even scares Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it's, it's what we're seeing in real time and at warp speed is just the evolution of an entire industry going from <clears throat> where it was theoretical and then... From theoretical, it moved into maybe criminal more so than anything. We'll get to the deep end in a minute. (laughs) And then now it's there, there's, there's so many new applications that are coming out too. Uh, I mean, it really is the tip of the spear as far as financial evolution and technological advances. And that's why you say, I mean, the human capital is flowing there. The actual capital is flowing there. I mean, you can't name, you know, a, a major hedge fund investment company bank, et cetera, under the sun, who doesn't have some type of involvement in this in some form or some fashion. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's really incredible. And you know, again, to your point, you know, imagine you take, uh, you know, a, a band that's looking to raise money, they can come out with an ICO and, and raise capital that way, or they can put it out there to where you're buying a, a share of the music rights. And now you own that, whether it's something that you're owning as more of a novelty Right. And maybe it pays off down the road um, either way. I mean, it's it, again, it's, it's just a new it's interesting. It's different. It's definitely part of that, you know, that 20, 21st century financial evolution that we're seeing. 
Um, I mean, I would definitely say that this is the, the really interesting stuff is just starting. We're just starting to scratch the surface. You know, there's a, there's a company out of, I don't know what Asian country, the Philippines or something like that, but there's a game people are playing called Axie Infinity. And so Mm -hmm. people can play if they spend time in the game, they earn these tokens they can exchange that token directly for Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is they were tracking it. And on average, there's about 30 to $40 million a day in money coming out of this platform going into Ethereum. So people are quitting their jobs in the Philippines and just living in this metaverse. I believe and, it. And making, making a, a living. But you had some cool stats. So you had a couple of big stats on just how this industry is growing. So maybe hit those for the listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll throw that out there. So, um, so again, and, and what I was mentioning before, it's not just, uh, you know, when everybody thinks of crypto, they think of Bitcoin and, you know, some people. Or say, they think of that guy. Or the, who's the bad guy in grandma's boy? You know, with the big cave. Oh, man. Yeah. Kind um, of man, I can't even think of it right now, but yeah, I would, I would say that like, you know, when people think of crypto, right, they think of, they think of potentially sketchy things, right? Drug dealers or money launderers. Um, they think of Bitcoin, but there's not a lot beyond that. So uh, the thing that most people don't realize is that the majority, the overwhelming majority of global economies and countries are, are looking into this, have some involvement in it already or are in the research phase, right? So 81 countries is where we're at right now uh, as of August of this year. And that represents over 90% of global GDP. And they're looking into what's called a CBDC, right? So that's a central bank digital currency. So essentially, you know, if the U.S. government wanted to make moving dollars around the world cheaper, faster, better, they would potentially move to a, you know, again, a digital version of that, a digital dollar, so to speak. So a central bank digital currency um, in China has already done that. They've, they've got their version out right now, the digital yuan. Uh, there's a lot of other countries right now that are in various stages of development, but 81 countries, 90 plus percent of global GDP. So this is something that, I mean, really everybody's getting into. It is not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, you know, another interesting statistic I came across the other day, um, you know, you mentioned where the jobs are and kind of where the capital is being, you know, where the capital is flowing to. So Indeed, right? So that website, Indeed, post, you know, job postings, et cetera. There has been a 118% increase in total crypto job postings over the last 10 months. And then they specifically go in there to quote companies, you know, again, large, large, very important companies like a Fidelity Investments, who has plans, expectations to grow their crypto division by 70% over the next few years. JP Morgan's hiring developers, I mean, the Israeli uh, intelligence agency, right? The Mossad, they're hiring people to work on crypto. Bank of England. I mean, it's, it's yes, absolutely. If this thing doesn't work out. You look like like you'd pass for uh, Israeli Mossad. Mossad. That's it. I'd fit right in. Green eyes, freckles. They'd love me. Yeah, you do jujitsu, so (laughs) you'd fit in over there. Right in. But yeah, I mean, again, it's just kind of, it's, you see, Again, it's things, you know, institutions that are as old as the Bank of England, you know, things that are as, uh, I would say, opaque as the Israeli intelligence service 
um, or just your garden variety mass market financial advisory company, you know, broker dealer like a Fidelity Investments. Everybody's getting into it. I mean, the 13 largest banks in the world all have a very big component that's that's either currently owns, is researching, is developing their own. I mean, we have, I, I think at last count, it was something like 21 or 22 ETFs that are under uh, application review by the SEC. So, I mean, it's, it is definitely a, a, it's here to stay, right? I mean, this is a certified legitimate asset class that I believe is going to change the entire asset allocation model. You're going to see instead of stocks, bonds, and cash, and what percentage do you have of each stocks, bonds, cash, and crypto. Yeah. Well, so something else that was interesting was there was a story flying around about a network called Polygon that had 600 million hacked out of it due to a, a programming flaw. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I can, you know, eventually they got the money back. The hacker actually told them what they screwed up on and then gave the money back. When Rick Edelman was speaking, and I can't, you know, I have no evidence of this, but he said, the FBI was able to track down the hacker because a lot of that money was mm-hmm. US-based. They were able to ha- mm-hmm. figure out who the hacker was in seven business days. Yep. And so it was like an ultimatum of, we know who did this, we know where you are, give the money back or else type thing. <laughs> but yep. it's, I think it's just if you see where the money is moving, you see where the brain power is going, you, you at least can't ignore it anymore. I mean, I've been hypercritical on the space for a while. Most people that know me would understand that. That said, I still spend a lot of time reading about it because I want to understand where where's the puck going. Maybe yep. I don't have my entire net worth invested in this space, but I'm looking at it as, as an area. But this is where we get into the deep end where Sean, even Sean thinks stuff is oh, pretty man. stupid. I do think yeah, there's, there's, a, some, there's some there's wild some, stuff out there, man. There's a pet rock that I think the average... <laughs> price of a you know a two by two image of a pet rock is like three hundred thousand dollars or something like that oh god the I, ether I rocks are, are insane man crypto kitties there's these bored apes there's these drugged apes where it's just apes doing a bunch of drugs and there's little square <laughs> images there's it's the craziest stuff man there's another one that i saw today where i think it's called the loot project and so mm-hmm. you you buy a bag of random words and it's a little mm-hmm. black square smaller than a credit card with white text that says sword, silk weave, you know, <laughs> bag of bread or whatever. Laundry basket. Yeah. And, and those are going Deodorant. for, you know, 12 Ethereum, which is still like <laughs> it's crazy tens of thousands of dollars. So that area, Sean, what are you thinking on the, on the crazy, stupid images? I don't know what to think about that stuff. I mean, I think that's, that's just the madness of when you have people like, so you've got this whole section of uh, the population that's never had money in their life. And they're all of a sudden the new kings. Going of, fucking you know, nuts. Dude, they're just like the kings of the world now. And these guys have more money they know what to do with. So they're just out there creating these nerd marketplaces that are just exploding. I mean, crypto kitties are a joke, but they sell. I mean, there's, there's ones out there that I believe sell for $2 million. There's there's a rock that went for, what, it was a million and five the other day? So, Sean, here's one. I'm looking. If anyone wants to look this up, it's great. There's a website called OpenSea.io. Just go peruse that for 20 minutes and you'll get a laugh. There's a 
what looks like a stock image of a scientist looking through a microscope. Mm -hmm. Slack this to you, Sean, so you can see it. And underneath it is a Pokemon card. (laughs) And it's listed for $11 million. I could have lived... I could live a very full and fruitful life without ever seeing this image. And how, many of, that. <laughs> how many of these people, Sean, also made money in AMC and GameStop? I hope a lot of them. I, I, hope, know, I hope all of them. I, I hope all of them did, honestly. I hope that's where this money's going towards. It, it left the pockets of uh, some some greedy hedge fund guys and went into the pockets of people creating some NFT where this guy is analyzing a Pokemon card under a microphone or microphone. You know what, you know is, what I heard? This is a, this is a hot take, but I heard mm-hmm. the fact that the money's staying in the crypto space and just going into this stupid stuff is actually keeping mm-hmm. inflation at bay. Cause if you literally had 2 trillion more dollars, just all leave and go buy Porsches and mm-hmm. PlayStation fives and yeah. bid up all the waterfront property. Yeah. You would call it, you'd spike inflation more. So the fact that I it's staying this all, stupidity. Um, I know we joke about the metaverse, but I could absolutely see this. And I think this this will be one day um, where you will see this stuff. You know, imagine 15, 20, 30 plus years from now, there's actual virtual societies where people are living in. You're going to go into one. virtual... You're going to go into virtual museums and you're going to have virtual art and you're going to have the original cyberpunks you're going to have NFTs that are up there that sold for, you know, 20, 40, 50, 60, 70 million dollars um, like that one did. I mean, I, I do believe there's going to be a collectible space for some of this uh, akin to art, but just kind of the art of the future, I guess. Um, but again, it's, some of it's just really hard to buy. <laughs> and this is when we get to Wally. Everyone sits in their <laughs> recliner, they drink their Slurpee. Put their little goggles on, and you just go look at JPEGs, <laughs> and your and your your bones turn to marshmallows, and then then the aliens come for us, and that's it. It's over. Yeah, that, that would be the perfect time to get invaded because we'd be a weak species at that point. So hopefully I'm. <laughs> God. Hopefully I'm God not in there us. by now. So no, that's, no. I think that's enough on crypto for for now. Let's get into some our buy, sell, and hold section. Let's try to figure out what topics you want to buy, what topics you want to sell. I'm going to kick it off, Sean, because this is wrapping up with crypto, but you're going to buy, sell, or hold on OpenSea some crypto kitties? And some crypto kitties. I'm going to uh, go ahead and sell those because if I can, I'd be a rich man. God, I hate those things. They're awful. What crypto you kitties re- could be one of the worst things that's uh, in existence today. What if they were crypto puppies? Ooh. Now you're, 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 moving, you're moving the needle a little. <laughs> They're so awful. I just can't, I can't get behind it. Some of the art I do think is interesting. I think some of the stuff that I've seen has been pretty cool. Uh, again, it's digital and I get the whole, you know, again, it's, it's, in a, it's an NFT. So it's an original, it's verifiable. And I, I understand the technology behind it. It's just not something that I, you know, I, I, I really like. Frankly, I mean, but at the same time, I'm, I'm a terrible judge of art. I don't really like art in general, so yeah. I'm probably the worst person to ask about that. I saw a post on Twitter where a guy said he's downloading the images off the websites because if they ever lose them, at least he'll be able to resell screenshot of it. <laughs> that was great. All right, what awesome. you got? Yeah, so buy, sell, or hold. Um, do you buy, sell, or hold the bottoming out of Chinese tech? 
All right. So do you think this is the uh, obviously just a little brief re, uh, refresh for all of our viewers out there? Uh, there has been a lot of regulatory changes uh, that have come down from the uh, central authority within the Chinese Communist Party. And it really has hammered some of the world's biggest and most profitable companies, uh, specifically in the tech side. And it, it's unclear whether it's over there. They did give a little guidance in terms of, hey, what do you need to do to get into the good graces of the overlords of, of, of the overlords going forward? Um, but again, that's still TBD, right? It's, it's a lot of it's unknown. So buy, sell or hold. Do you think the, the worst is behind us? So. Full disclosure, I'm invested in this space right now, but there's a good podcast I just listened to, a podcast called Panic with Friends with Howard Lindzen. Uh, he had a guy named Ram Parameshwaran from Octahedron sure. Capital, which basically just is an investment firm that invests globally. Big thinking there was they invest on the ground in China. So his mm -hmm. his discussion was you can't listen to anything U.S.-based when it comes to Chinese news because it's so distorted. But the big thing he was pushing on was you're probably going to see these ADRs or these VIEs through the Caymans where you can invest in a company out of China by using this kind of backdoor loophole. Those are probably all going to close and you're going to have to invest on a Chinese exchange, the Hong Kong exchange, Shanghai exchange. Mm -hmm. The I'm guessing someone will figure this out, but I looked at even Fidelity. The commission to trade on the Hong Kong exchange is like $250 in order. So you really got to be bullish on this. But I'm going to say price-wise, I'm going to call bottom. I think we've already locked in the low. It's just a matter of what happens from a regulation standpoint. Do they ban I mean, I America? Do they ban America? Yeah, I mean, it's not crazy. I mean... I think Baba, right? Alibaba is probably the uh, the standard bearer, right? The one that you would look to to say, "Hey, is this bottoming out or not?" I mean, they are bouncing off of their their recent lows, right? They, I think, they bottomed out around like one fifty six, one fifty five, something in that range. Maybe now it's one fifty two. And now they're, uh, they're yeah, they're above one seventy now. So it looks like there 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 could be some momentum going. And yeah. to put that in perspective, uh, they were trading. Just what eight, ten? I mean, I guess ten, maybe a year ago now. But within the last year, they were trading uh, well over three hundred dollars a share, and so they were cut in half essentially. Nothing yeah. changed with their business. Again, everything was still very, very profitable, doing very, very well. Uh, just some of the rules changed. So that podcast was pretty interesting. You should take a listen to it because they were talking about Didi, and Didi was mm -hmm. you know yeah. they IPO'd on the U.S. And supposedly, yep. they were just not. Big no, no. Well, supposedly, since their inception, they have just been ignoring any Chinese regulation in China. Kind of like Uber at one point was just breaking all the state laws, and Airbnb was doing the same thing. They kind of took that mm -hmm. approach, which I guess is fine in the U.S., but that's not in China. But worth listening. So my yeah. next buy, sell, or hold. I listened to uh, another podcast where they were talking about the death of the sixty forty. The analogy that was made was you've had the risk curve change. So your savings account has become your checking account. Your bond portfolio has become your savings account. Your stock portfolio has become your bond account. And then the stock portfolio has been replaced with crypto and private equity. So everything's kind of moved 
down, returns have come down. Yep. So people are going further out on risk. So yep. when it comes to an investor, they're balanced. What are your thoughts on the 60-40 or should they start to diversify further their kind of equity growth allocation across the board? No, I buy that all day. Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in that uh, theory. <clears throat> I mean, I think we're seeing it play out in real time. I mean, we've had zero rates for, I mean, other than fits and starts for going on 12 years now. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since a savings account did anything. Um, <laughs> I do remember when we were, when we were first starting in the industry at Fidelity, some of the money markets were just rolling off, right? And they were still in that three to 4% range, but they yeah. didn't last very long. Then they, I think it was like six, seven months later, then they all shot down to like 1%. Well, it's also when Ally Bank and Marcus popped up, and everyone's like, "I'm making two four on my savings, dude." <laughs> no, I love the uh, the the advertise. You can make ten times greater than the average savings account, which is like ten times zero. Basis. It's like five basis points, so it's like you can make half a percent ten times. So, no, I I absolutely believe that this is going to be. The, the prudent route to go is to, unfortunately, you, you kind of just have to play the game and everybody has to slide up the risk scale a bit. Uh, those who don't, unfortunately, um, I mean, again, you don't have to, right? You can change your, your, your living standard, right? You can spend less money. So you don't always have to do this. So I guess we should rephrase that. You know, obviously as prudent financial advisors, you don't have to do that, right? You just have to be comfortable with lower levels of return. And if Name you can be one person, Sean. <laughs> That will change their standard of living to adjust for their money market. I cannot, but I like the I point. Can, I agree with it, but no one will do it. No one will do it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's not just the money market. Right? Bond bonds are going to be returning less. Stocks will be returning less. Um, certain areas of the stock market, right? Those more comfortable blue chip areas, those more stable, those more historically stable areas of the market will be returning less. Um, you're going to have to dip more of your toe into tech, more of your toe into growth more your toe into Chinese equities, uh, more your toe into crypto, private equity, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you want to maintain that, you know, return that I believe is going to be required in order to uh, offset inflation, because even with no additional government spending right now, we've already increased the monetary base so much that I believe we're going to have inflation for, I mean, foreseeable future for, for many years from now. And again, not crazy inflation, but something we haven't seen in a long time at four, five, six percent possibly uh, for a sustained period. And when you've got the 10 year sitting at one three, right, because the Fed is sitting there artificially depressing those rates and you've got the Fed also keeping the short end of the curve at zero. It's really hard to be a conservative investor and not going out on, you know, not move up on the risk curve because, the rest of what is traditionally conservative assets are just being artificially depressed. So I do think too, and we'll get to yours in your next advice I'll hold in a second, but I do think that there's a lot of younger investors that maybe they have their crypto portfolio, they'll get their stock portfolio, but you need to keep an eye on like a 401. If you're in a target date fund or you, know, you didn't pick a fund in there. You're probably way too conservative for what you should be. So I think people need to understand a little bit more about what risk is. I personally don't think investing in equities is very risky just for the fact that you have a stable business. 
and mm-hmm. not this coin like Dogecoin that may or may <laughs> not be here in a couple of months. It's not really that risky. Owning Amazon, every person just funnels money into that. Yes, it's going to go up and down in value, but it's pretty consistent. So There right. is safe in numbers. I agree with that. Safety in numbers. What's your next buy, sell, hold? All right. Next one is the uh, the decline of the four-year degree. So I saw an interesting number, um, and it's just talking about the so, – so for various different reasons, right, some of it is COVID-related. Um, but also some of it is just in a an expansion of the digital workforce, um, programmers, those types of jobs um, that don't require four-year degrees, right? You, know, I mean, you just rattled off some numbers earlier. I mean, if you're going to be a programmer in the crypto space, which, again, is on the higher end of the programming universe, but still, I mean, those guys are making anywhere from you know, 140 to 160-plus thousand dollars a year. Um, even if you're not on that end of the, you know, the curve, being a programmer is a very profitable, very lucrative uh, profession, and it's not one that requires a four-year degree and a mountain of debt to get it. So it seems like the uh, we may have seen peak college. Um, so I don't know. What are your take on that? I'm going to throw two things at you. I'm, I'm going to buy this all day long. The first one is this is the first year you're going to watch college football and college sports, and there's kids running around the field making a million dollars a year in advertising. <laughs> so yeah. most of those that kids are going to say – screw going into this class and taking notes on accounting. I can pay an accountant a thousand bucks a year to do do this for me. I'm going to keep being in the spotlight. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second aspect would be companies like Google are offering certificates where if you don't have the means to go to a Ivy league school, then you can go online, pay three free classes. And there's like a $200 class, $300 class. And if you've completed those, you can get an entry level job at Google and work your way up on your own ethic. Uh, part of part of me thinks you're still going to have you know the Ivy Leagues will stay Ivy League and there'll be yep. businesses that will only hire from those schools. That's fine, but sure. the flip side is I think you schooling is almost irrelevant. You see people's true colors when they get in the in the job and how much do they want mm-hmm. to hustle. And even a lot of the business owners that we work with, the people that have really killed it, their degrees are relevant. I've never asked them, "Oh, where'd you go to school?" It's like they yep. hit the ground. They saw how to make money and they started hustling. And I think yep. more people can start doing that, whether it's in college and get paid. I mean, hell, there's kids playing video games that are like 15 years old making a million dollars a year. Yeah. I mean, Why go sit for four years? You, you have a business. So yeah, I'm going to buy it all day long. I think people are going to start doing more certification type classes, more learn as you go. I still think you need the elementary just to kind of get your brain shaped. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, there'll definitely be a lot more skills-based uh, certificates and professional designations going forward versus actual four-year, well-rounded degrees. Um, no, I, I would agree with you there. I'd definitely buy this. I think we're, we're heading that direction for sure. All right, what do you got? What's next? All right, so this is completely different, but <laughs> I want to talk golf first. Go on. Go on. I, is Bryson DeChambeau breaking golf? So I was watching... <laughs> Bryson the Bison. So I'll explain my so the uh, whatever championships going on right now that they're playing. Yep, yep. So I have nothing to do in my COVID quarantine. I probably watch every YouTube video I could find. Mm-hmm. But he hit an eight so iron. It's a players championship right now. Okay, so players championship. Or the tour, it it's, the, it's the tour. I'm sorry, it's the tour championship. Go ahead. Tour championship. Okay, is that right? East Lake. I believe so. 
Anyway. Yeah, PGA Tour Championship. Yeah, Tour Championship. So he hit an eight iron, 233 yards. I mean, that's, that's good, now, right? I, I think <laughs> that's about 100 yards more than I can hit. I mean, granted, he's got some mass, but you're starting to see mass. People take science and break the game of golf. All your clubs are the same length. So do you buy, sell, or hold some youngins coming in and breaking the game of golf? Well, I mean, I would say youngins have already come in and cracked the code. Uh, but, yeah, he, I mean, he's definitely taken an unorthodox, more scientific approach to it. But to be fair, uh, I mean, he's not – I mean, he's definitely – he's the longest guy right now on tour. But there is a reason why the, you know, the, the phrase drive for show, putt for dough. I mean, there's some areas to his game that are still – I mean, they're, they're impressive. Don't get me wrong, obviously. I mean, he's a major winner. Uh, he's a stud. But there's some areas where he's uh, he's lacking. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sell that Bryson DeChambeau is uh, breaking the game of golf. He's definitely breaking some aspects of it in, on the distance side uh, and the power side, and it's really impressive. I think he's but, competing in the Long Drive Championship too. That's is he really? I, yeah, I think so. Wow, I believe it. All right, All right. last one we got. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up. The last one I actually had. Similar to what you were mentioning earlier with your buy-sell hold, so I have a, a really interesting article from a Bloomberg strategist who essentially was, and I wanted to get your take on it, uh, but he was essentially saying that a a bond and gold portfolio, so you know the traditional you know, inflation hedges, tips, high yield, gold, that those are naked without crypto. Essentially, again, reinforcing another high-level intelligent, again, very, uh, very, uh, I guess, old world, uh, old world type of firm uh, analyst coming out and saying that crypto is a standard part of what a uh, portfolio should have, especially if you expect inflation to continue to rise. So this is a so buy sell hold that. So we can proxy this and track it over the next couple of years. There's a fund called the Permanent Portfolio. Oh yeah, is- oh, yeah, that's right. 25% gold and silver. It's got a small 10, 10% allocation to Swiss francs. Yep. Got real estate, that. growth stocks, and dollars. So it's basically just a diversified basket. I think I yeah. would I would probably buy this as well. I think the crypto space is starting to add computing power, server space is almost becoming a ver- version of a commodity. I think if you're going to try to diversify out, you you still need to have equities for the majority of the growth, invest in businesses that are growing and have cash flow. But your investments in dollars and cash, your investments in fixed income, your investments in gold are just going to be dramatically reduced. So you're going to buy that article that said add some crypto or something else in there. And then in 10 years, it'll be something different. It just the world keeps adding new asset classes every so often. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would definitely add that. Um, I would buy that. And uh, I would say that the world definitely keeps adding new investment vehicles, but not too often do we see true asset classes come out and really carve a space like this is doing. Uh, and, and I think, again, it's going to become a staple of most. You know, again, it's going to be added into the modern portfolio theory uh, basket, if you will, stocks, bonds, cash, crypto, and it's going to become part of that staple. We'll see every, betterment, uh, when Betterman adds it to their portfolio. That's the, I think Fidelity is going to be adding it to their portfolio soon. 
I'm sure, I mean, they have a huge digital asset arm. So you're going to have Fidelity at it. You're going to have Schwab at it. Merrill's going to be adding it. I mean, again, they'll be in the one to three percent range, but I believe those large guys are going to be adding it very soon. Sure. <clears throat> they got to skate where the puck's going, and they got to put money where the money's flowing. So they follow the flows. That's it. Gets you, Sir Makes a lot. Sir Makes a lot. Anyways, but again, thank everyone for tuning in today. Again, this is our monthly tap room. We'll try to just spitball current events, topics, things we want to cover that we find interesting. We're going to try next week to do more of a primer on an individual crypto. So we're going to get into Sean's brain a little bit and start figuring out maybe a specific coin. I think Bitcoin's what we're going to start with just because that's what most people yep. know. Let's we'll start with the king. Start with the king and work our way down the Start market. with the king and work our way down. Down the market cap. I will be out of COVID quarantine by then so I can fully participate. <laughs> but keep an eye on the podcast again, whether it's on Anchor, Spotify, uh, Apple. Please subscribe. We're going to start to post videos soon on YouTube. We may even look at live streaming this. If there's any feedback, requests, suggestions, craftadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Or if you know Sean or I, send us a text. Sean, any closing thoughts? No. Uh, thank you guys all for joining us as always. And uh, like, share, subscribe, and uh, message us with any requests. Sounds good. I appreciate it. See you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers. Jack and Sean work for Senge Advisory Group, a registered investment advisory firm. All discussions between Jack and Sean or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Senge Advisory Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Senge Advisory Group may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.